Hey everybody! In a town like Nitrate City, there are movers and shakers. We at Fanable are the movers, but the following Patreon members are certainly the shakers. Ah uh, yeah! Matthias Pills, John H. Perry, Dr. Gerd Hauser, Nadine Isabel, Ernie Karafa, Matthew Prow, Brownie Davis, Maxim Makamadov, Elise, and of course, Fairy Stale. You guys just keep on playing. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Fandible Actual Play Podcast. This is Angela, and I am so excited to be bringing you back into the weird and wonderful world of Nitrate City. Yeah. I mean, back again. (laughs) (laughs) You tried to escape, and it dragged you right back in. This is our game of Old Holly Weird, where we have a collection of monstrous characters of various stripes together in a vintage Hollywood setting. And previously, at least, all three of them were connected by their relationship to the bar, the Waning Gibbous, but a great tragedy befell the bar in the last episode, didn't it? Well, a tragedy is something you don't expect. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) this, This one was a long time coming. It kind of was. Does anyone like to describe what happened uh, at the end of last episode? I would like Bumpo to explain (laughs) a real quick synopsis of what they think happened. So there's the scene right there. Uh, Firemen are doing their best to control the blaze that is currently consuming what once was the waning gibbous. And there, sitting on a curb with a cigarette hanging out of his non-existent mouth, is Bump. His jacket is thrown over his shoulder, and he's just alone right now, watching the flames. And then he notices the audience. He turns towards them and says, Well, if you don't know what's happened, then I suggest that you rewind the tape a little bit and figure it out, because it is a doozy of a story. It all started with the dame. Like all great tragedies out there. She came howling to our bar like a banshee in the night, and my heart was a flutter. She asked us to find some orphans that had been lost. And we did find the orphans, but little did we know it was all just a trap. We were lured away from the waning gibbous, and then the holy rollers came. Well, doing what mortals do with fire and pitchforks. Ugh, I I can't handle it anymore. Mickey! Mickey! Yeah? Tell the rest of the story. I'm going to finish my light. And Bump turns away from the camera, and the camera turns towards Mickey. Mickey will turn to the camera, and just with one single tear going down his eye, he goes, The paper down our bar! You don't actually know who exactly burned down the bar. You were, as Bump said, engaged in an altercation with the Holy Rollers out in Arroyo Vista at the orphanage that Senorita Blanca is the patron of. And when you made a mad dash back to the city, you arrived just in time to find your bar burning practically to the ground. I'm sure Joe has gone into detective mode and he's talking to, uh, didn't we have a satyr here? Yeah, we had Fred the Seder. 
we also had one of the Holy Rollers that we brought along with us being dragged behind one of the bikes we took inside of a tire from the children's playground. So, uh, you know, like the world's most terrifying toboggan all the way back to the waning gibbous. So we've got people to talk to. The camera lingers on Mickey for a moment, both squeezing out that moment of drama and sympathy and sadness and pathos that films are so eager to portray and begins to slowly move on down the street a bit. And it ends on a pad of paper and a pen. And the pen is tapping on it. And the camera slowly pans up, up, up to the towering visage of Joe Lester, who is looking at a young satyr who is walking around smoking a cigarette, looking really nervous. And Joe calmly looks over at the camera. So, on the list of, you can say that again for the year, we should have known better. It's right on top. It seemed too easy. I mean, what kind of day masks for chivalry in this town? But then again, what kind of guy gives it? Maybe we had this coming. Or maybe... Maybe we're just flies caught in a trap. All told, I put what I've got for a life into that bar. Trixie, too. Oh, I gotta say, though, if your bar's gonna get burned to the ground in this town, it might as well be for the right reasons. Though, um, I don't think insurance is going to, uh, cover the right reasons. Oh, yeah. We didn't have insurance. And the camera keeps panning on. And the camera pans to where the firefighters are bravely attempting to fight the blaze. For whatever reason, it took them a while to arrive at the scene. So that is why it was a full-fledged inferno before they arrived. A giant ball of flame essentially lighting up the night in Nitrate City. And Nitrate City's a hard town. These people have seen a lot. They've been through a lot. But people are still drawn to fire, like moths to a flame, literally, in some cases. And so the denizens of your neighborhood, of old Hollywood, have all come out to the streets to see what the commotion is about. There are families that have come by, some cases bringing young children with them as a, a bit of a warning. You know, this is why we don't play with matches, because a bar full of flammable alcohol could go up like kindling. There are the homeless, the less fortunate, who are looking honestly for a chance to get a little warmth in their bones. And then there's the do-gooders. There's the people who are coming by to help, who are, are looking out for the less fortunate, such as those homeless folks. And also they wanna know who was affected by this fire burning down this establishment. There is an ambulance that has arrived, again, rather late to the scene to check to see if there were any casualties. Of course, there was nobody in the bar at the time, luckily at the time that it exploded. Well, Senorita Blanca may or may not have been inside. It's really difficult to tell with her what her deal is and, and where she was and how corporeal she is. So no one really gets too close to her before she runs off into the night to go check on her orphans. But there's also, Mickey, you would recognize mm -hmm. a figure from the Church of the Frankenchrist 
has come by. He is a Dr. Blaze, who is, of course, a, a reanimated man, not too dissimilar to Joe Lister, except where Joe is tall and broad. Dr. Blaze is really skinny, like very beanpole-ish. All of his limbs seem just a little bit too long for his very tall figure. And he comes into the crowd, you know, especially as the Blaze is beginning to go down slightly. He's a, a mild-mannered gentleman, very much in character for being a man of the cloth, uh, you know, the tattered cloth, such as it usually is in the Church of the Frankenchrist. And he is going to approach you first, Mickey. Mickey, you, you recognize him, but do you have a relationship with Dr. Blaze in any way? Probably not much of one. Like, we, we recognize each other, we know each other's names, and we've had, like, friendly conversations prior or post-service, something like that, but we don't exactly hang out or anything like that. Sure, but he does recognize you as someone who has been to his church before, so of course you are the first person that he is going to approach as he says, My dear friend Mickey... Were you connected to this this tragedy? Uh, Dr. Blaze, I, 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 I used to work here. I mean, gotta be used to, because it's not like there's a bar to go behind anymore. He looks up at the blaze that's still going on. Yes, indeed, it is quite a, quite a loss for the neighborhood. While, of course, I did not patronize this bar, I, I understand that it was, it was well-respected in the neighborhood, was it not? Uh, I mean, we had a... Regular weekly shows, and uh, I tried not to water down the drinks too much, so it's about as good as it got. Are you going to be okay? Do you do you need a place to to stay, to recuperate, to get over the shock? No, uh, I, I can I can go home later. I, I just me and my uh, friends, coworkers. We just I think we just need to figure out what what happened here. Uh, and uh, yeah, he kind of looks over at Joe mostly, and uh, goes, uh, "He's the, he's the owner." Yeah, I, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna. Have you met Joe? Or do you? No, that's 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 not how it works. You don't all know each other. Sorry, sorry. I'm not. I, I just, you know, I just converted last year. So he puts an understanding hand on your shoulder. It is all right, my friend. Take care of yourself, please. If you need anything at all. The church is here for you. And he turns to Joe and probably sees Bump in the background as well. The church is here for all of you. The Church of the Frankenchrist shares its love and its resources with all, believers or not. You, friend, he says, of course, directly to you, Joe, as a, a fellow reanimated person. Have you heard the good news? Joe is standing silhouetted in the flaming wreckage of his his lifetime endeavor. And he just drinks a drag of a cigarette, which illuminates his face briefly. Now, we're a little short on good news, Padre. There is always good news to be found within Frankenchrist. After all, he does teach us that fire is, is cleansing, can be a chance for renewal. Perhaps this is your chance as well. Oh, you mean uh, from something dead, something better can arise? Where have I heard that before? Yeah, we all woke up on a slab, but I didn't wake up there yesterday. Take your uh, charity to those who need it. Uh, speaking of which, over here, hi, name's Bump, currently in need. 
<laughs> the camera swings over. <laughs> uh, you said something about uh, charity. Joe, I feel it's time for me to be fully honest with you. Since you can't evict me, I was sleeping in the back most nights, so I don't really have a place to stay. So I was hoping that maybe the good doctor, father, padre, <laughs> uh, here could hook bump up with a uh, shadow. You know, a place to hang his wigs. You dig? It is doctor, my friend. We are an egalitarian church. There is no hierarchy, no, no false familial touches here. We respect knowledge in the Church of the Franken Christ. And, of course, our charity is open to all. We do not discriminate. So long as one has a desire to learn, has an openness of their heart, you, of course, are welcome to stay with us for as long as you need it. We have many shadows. It is, a, it is an old building. Seems like Bump is coming out on top tonight. Uh, Joe, you're going to be okay, right? He says as he puts on his jacket and hat and spins on his heels, pointing towards the giant of a man. Yeah, sure thing, Bumpo. You've got my number. You, uh... Here. He takes out a detective's card and flips it over, scribbles his address on the back and hands it to Bump and another one to Mickey. Anything gets a little hairy, you come find me. Yeah. My number's on there as well. Hey, uh, Fred. Fred. Uh, what? Do you know what happened to Trixie? She wasn't back there, right? I mean, it's kind of horrible that we just asking that right now, but she didn't come into work tonight, right? No, uh, has been dead, so why would she come in? That's true. Who wants to give her the bad news? And Bump slowly turns his head towards Mickey and raises a non-existent brow. There's a wolf in the distance running. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess I'll be the one to do it. All things considered... She's a good lady, but she likes pomp and circumstance. Even if she was here, she probably missed it out and then flew away. <laughs> probably wants to see which one of us is going to deliver the news anyways. Hey, look on the bright side. This is the best showing we've had all week. All right, you vultures. There is nothing to see here, Bump says, as there is an explosion of alcohol behind him and more literal spirits are released into the sky like Ghostbusters. There's nothing to see here. You know what? I lit the stage on fire every night. You don't show up. And one little blaze gets your attention now. Nah, nah, nah. Get out of here. Hey, hey, Swamp Man. Thanks for showing up. He says as he passes Swamp Man, who we've established is a fireman. We did establish that. Yes, we did. That's the only reason the fire people got here in, like, somewhat of a good time. So I figure the firemen probably half their job is just trying to keep the Mothman from just flying straight into <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Bump is going to walk away with the good doctor. If they're going to offer him a place to stay, he'll inflict himself on them. So, the party has split up. Who would like to go first? Is it Mickey, who is going off to who knows where? Is it Joe, who's off to find Trixie? Or do we want to follow Bump going to the Church of the Frankenchrist? Mickey's kind of done with the night. His stash of moonshine is gone. He has no idea what else is happening. He's gonna, you know, go home, try and uh, deal with things. And, uh, you know, I mean, I I'm gonna assume that Joe, at the very least, knows where Mickey lives. He basically lives with his parents not too far away. Yeah, then uh, Joe is going to walk to Trixie's place, not take a, a hack and slash. It's a somber walk, but it's also, it should take longer, but as he is a movie monster, it takes him a lot less time to get to the destination. And he slowly walks up the stairs, 
and gently presses the doorbell for the can't remember what it's called. It's I don't have my my older notes in front of me. The something uh, home for wayward girls or something. Well, I may have renamed it because I didn't have that written down in my notes. But listeners, I'm going to share this on Twitter someday. It is a PowerPoint deck that has all of our information for Nitrate City. So the players all have links to it as well. So if you want to take a look, players, you can go to the Nitrate City dashboard. And on slide six is your neighborhood. And you can see where the waning gibbous formerly was down on Crescent Street. And up north of there on South Helamita Street is the South Helamita Boarding House for Young Ladies, which is where Trixie resides. Thank you very much. Awesome. Yeah, so he's going to gently press the bell. And I believe, if I recall correctly, it was run by a ghost woman. It is run by a ghost woman who we didn't name previously, but it is early in the morning at the point when you are arriving there, Joe, because of course you had a, a full night of activities fighting off the Holy Rollers, so it's probably like four or five in the morning. Remember, we dropped the kids off there earlier that night. Well, a taxi dropped them off there from the orphanage. Oh, good call, yes. Yeah, she was the one that said she could take them. Uh, so Joe, you might find a bunch of sleeping kids or a bunch of hyperactive kids. Who knows? They're children. <laughs> So when you ring the bell here, Joe, thank you for reminding us of that, Billy, because I definitely forgotten that's where all that pack of kids ended up. You hear the sound of shrieking. As anybody that owns a dog knows how dogs can react when they hear the doorbell. Well, guess what? That's also how toddlers react and young children, especially when some of those young children are werewolves. So there is shrieking, there is howling, there is yelling, there is laughter. So exterior shot of Joe walking up. He heard the screaming before he rang the bell. And Joe draws his sidearm and like cop approaches the house and then peeks in and sees a bunch of children screaming, you know, like screaming, happy screaming and slowly puts his gun away. And then appearing at the door, opening the door, is, of course, the ghostly matron. You're not sure how, considering she's a ghost, but, like, her hair is all messed up. It's literally been pulled out of the, the bun that she normally wears it in, uh, that she must have been wearing when she died. Her clothes are, are askew from having children hanging off of her, and she just looks somewhat shell-shocked. Yes? <laughs> Hi, ma'am. I'm sorry for the intrusion. Um, I don't know if you remember me. I'm a friend of Trixie's. Yes, and you were here before spreading the, uh, uh sharing the, the word of the Frankenchrist, were you not? That's correct. Uh, and I, I'm not here in any sort of, um, friendly religious capacity right now. I wouldn't want to bother you, but I do, uh, have... I have something to tell Trixie of a personal nature, and I was wondering if I could come inside. Of course, of course, everything's topsy-turvy tonight. Why should rules and decorum matter? Please come inside. And she opens the door for you to be able to come in, Joe. Mm. Thank you very much. And he wipes his feet on the mat and then takes his hat off as he walks inside. And the kids who are at the orphanage, they see you and they come running, excited to see a familiar face. I might have also had something to do with all of these. 
Yeah, and they're like climbing Joe. He's, you know, he's like a massive uncle figure. And he's just standing there statuesque as like, <laughs> as like young dog children, like nine at his collar. And um, yeah. Right. Um, hey, kids, how are all of you doing? We have to eat candy. Oh, that's... He looks at the nice ghost woman. That sounds like you have to do what you got to do to entertain some kids. I mean, that sounds like a good time, kids. Say, uh, Uncle Joe has got to uh, go talk to a friend of his upstairs. Um, why don't you... And he kind of like pads his pockets down and then brings out a deck of playing cards. Um, why don't you go play with these? And he just hands it over, not having any idea how to play. Like, kids, like, here. Here's a... Go play with those. And one of the kids snatches the cards, rips the box open, immediately is throwing cards everywhere. Some kids are trying to, like, shove them in their mouths. Others are, you know, some very, very particular kids are, you know, trying desperately to match cards up and put things back in a pile. But you've certainly bought yourself, like, 30 seconds. Yeah, it's the equivalent of a child Batman smoke bomb. (laughs) And the poor woman turns around and I am up the stairs. You move with amazing speed for such a a large fellow sometimes. (laughs) Exactly. And of course, you know exactly what room is Trixie's because I'm sure Bump told you where she was located from his his time breaking and entering in there. She is the sixth room on the sixth floor. Yep, sixth room, sixth floor. And I gently knock on it. You hear some rustling inside the room before you hear a couple of locks be undone. You, know, you hear the chain being slid and a deadbolt being undone and a second deadbolt being undone. She's definitely upgraded her security since the last time anybody was here. And she opens the door slightly. Oh, hi, Joe. Um, I, I'm sorry I wasn't on the schedule tonight. Well, it's actually he checks his watch. It's actually about 7.15 a.m. Uh, can I talk to you for a second? Of, of course. And she opens the door so you can come on into her room, which, as described previously, is a little bit of a hoarder's paradise because Trixie, being a vampire, is incredibly long-lived and apparently actually predates the flicker effect. There are some monsters that have always been with us, and vampires are amongst them. So there are... Decades, if not centuries, of knickknacks and souvenirs stuffed into this small boarding house room. I leave the door open about six inches because it would be improper looking otherwise. And Joe looks around for somewhere to sit, not finding any place that can withstand his significant weight. Just puts his hat in his hands. So Trixie, um, you understand that uh, we've run into a little trouble Ever since Christmas. Uh, Sorry, the holidays and Feliz Navidad, all of that stuff. Right. Are you firing me? Hell of a choice of words, but no. No, I'm not. No, you're indispensable. Thanks? What? Why the long face? (laughs) Horse walks into a bar. Uh... Did Mr. Ed show up tonight? I know he can't hold his liquor. No. No, we won't have to worry too much about that because... uh, The bar's gone, Trix. Somebody burned it down. What? Why? What? 
Who would do that? Look, I'm going to keep this brief because you got to get back to sleep. But um, tonight you don't need to show up to the bar because the bar right now is a smoldering pile of ashes. Long story short, uh, the Holy Rollers burned down the bar. The the Holy Roller? Why would they do that? We're, we're, this is nowhere near their turf. Because Senorita Blanca is friendly with us. You know what? You know what? I don't need to hear anymore. I don't know what the hell you guys have gotten yourself into. But first, there's Montenegro, and now the Holy Rollers, and freaking creepy Senorita Blanca? Nope. Nope. I don't need to hear anything else. I do not need a target on my back again, Joe. I do not need that. So, I, I think I think you should leave. You're right. But I thought you needed the truth. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I now know I need to watch my back. And maybe I should just be packing my bags. You know, uh, Nitrate City's been feeling a little claustrophobic. Uh, the south of France is great this time of year. So uh, this might be goodbye. No, this this is goodbye. Yeah. I figured as much. And, uh... Anyway, I can help, um, but, uh, the city's got its claws in it, some of us. It's good that you get out before it does the same to you. And, uh, Joe thinks for a second and rubs his massive jaw in his perpetual five o'clock shadow with his hand. I'm sorry I lied to you, but, and he raises his voice. Damn it, kid, this is the last time I'm going to tell you. I don't want to see you or your fanged nonsense around my bar ever again. No, I don't hear it. And he storms out into the hallway. I don't want to hear it anymore. You're done. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear from you. If I never do again, it'll be too soon. This is the final nail in the coffin, all right? No more. I don't care where you go or what happens to you. No calls. Ever. You're dead to me. And he storms down with massive Frankensteinian steps and then puts his hat back on. Thank you very much. Kids, mind what the nice lady says. Good day. And he breezes out and slams the door shut. All right. The camera will pan back over the neighborhood of Old Hollywood, going a couple of blocks to the east to the Church of the Frankenchrist, where Bump is approaching the front door alongside Dr. Blaze. The Church of the Frankenchrist is actually a house. It is Dr. Blaze's house, as a matter of fact. Because the Church of the Frankenchrist is a newer religion, but it has one that has spread like wildfire, some might say. So while there certainly is a large, beautiful, purpose-built church elsewhere within Nitrate City, every couple of blocks, really, you're going to find a building that has been converted into a local parish, for lack of a better word. And your neighborhoods here is an old Victorian house owned by Dr. Blaze and his wife, another reanimated person, a Dr. Electra. It is a large old Victorian home, and Bump, you are led inside where the main floor has had most of its walls removed to create a large single room for worship. There are a couple of rows of folding chairs in what used to be the sitting room, all in front of a large ornate fireplace. 
where a fire is burning and there is a, a young woman, again reanimated, who is sitting next to the hearth. But Dr. Blaze leads you inside and introduces you to his wife who bustles over to you. She's got a blanket in her hands. They're saying, oh, you poor dear, I heard about the fire. Are you all right? And she tries to put it over your shoulders, but it's kind of hard to tell where your shoulders are. I have a jacket, thank you very much. <laughs> she still wants to put a blanket over you. She, she's one of those like very matronly caring type of women who it's like, no matter what happens, there's going to be a blanket. There's going to be a steaming cup of coffee. She's going to want to feed you. Are you kidding me? He's not fighting it. This is Bump. He is taking this with adoration. He's like, yes, I have had a terrible night. Oh, oh, are these marshmallows? And he blows on the cup of hot cocoa that she's given him, and then he takes a sip. And then he says, it's been quite the ordeal. I, I, I just can't imagine where I can go from this moment on. I mean, it felt like when the fire consumed the stage, it consumed a part of my soul. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I just, I can't. I, I can't think clearly. I mean, it might be because I'm famished and I haven't eaten very much. I mean, maybe if there was some cookies involved, I could start thinking of a game plan. And he gives her a leveled look to see if there would be cookies involved. I'm so sorry. Uh, I don't have, have any cookies left. Uh, do you like brownies? Well, that is a very kind offer. You know what? Yeah, you're right. I should have some brownies. And which seat is mine? He says as he points towards some of the chairs that look comfortable. And before they can even say anything, he decides which chair is clearly his. It's the one that's clearly made for Dr. Blaze. Oh, yeah, this one. Nice and comfortable. A lot of rump room. That's important. Dr. Blaze has a, a bemused look on his face as he says, We do have a dormitory if you prefer to have a, an actual bed to sleep in. My goodness, look at me. I have landed on cloud nine. Uh, yes, I'll take a bed in. Does this room also have a door or is it just like a curtain on a string sort of ordeal? Yes. <laughs> a bump is coming up tops tonight. Uh, well, uh, please, uh, follow me. All right, all right, I will. And after he takes a brownie and his hot cocoa, he will follow the good doctor up to the dormitory. So Dr. Blaze leads you up a flight of stairs to the second floor. And as you're walking up the stairs, you see a variety of photographs of their time in the church. So there's photos of Dr. Blaze and Dr. Electra performing wedding ceremonies. There's a couple of baptisms in there. There's photographs of their various parishioners. And as they mentioned earlier, as Dr. Blaze mentioned earlier, the church really does welcome all types. While there is definitely a trend towards more reanimated people in the picture, you see werewolves, you see vampires, you see all kinds of flicker effect creatures. Do I see vampires or do I see Dr. Blaze with his arms around like floating clothing and a cloak? <laughs> yes, yes, you know, that is a, a better description. So there's, there's weird empty cloaks, but all of the people in the photos, at least as far as you can tell, you know, certainly there's some very nondescript people, but it certainly looks like everybody has been touched by the flicker effect in some way. You're not seeing just regular Joes in these photos. It looks like you, and is that your wife downstairs? <laughs> Let me just say that you two look like you were made for each other. Dr. Blaze gives a, a small smile. Yes, we have, we have heard that before. Of course, while we were created, we do believe that we are 
destined to become more than what we were created for. Oh, yeah, uh, fantastic. So which room is mine? Is it the big one? And he gives you a little bit of, of a sermon as he, he's walking up the stairs. It's, you know, not a, a heavy-handed pitch, but this is, this is his bread and butter. So he says a, a few more words about how all of us are destined for something greater than what we were initially created for. We are not bound by our mortal forms. Of course, we can become anything that we wish to be. And in fact, that is our most sacred duty. And he gets to the top of the stairs and he points in a couple of directions. At the end of the hallway is the master bedroom. Of course, that is for me and the Dr. Electra. Washroom is here to the left, as is the women's dormitory. And here to the right is the men's dormitory. Oh, great. So just go to the left and find a room? No, that was to the right. Oh, right. Of course. Uh, I gotcha. So the right is over here. (laughs) Uh, Let me just say, Doctor, you have been very hospitable. I appreciate everything you're doing for me, and I assure you I'll be out of your hair in a few days. You know, once I've gotten some things sorted out. And that's where I want to end it, because if we do a time jump, no matter how far or how close it is, Bump will still be here. And yes, the camera will will pan back out, and it is two weeks later. Let's hop over to Mickey and see what he's been doing for the last two weeks. Mickey's mostly been home and getting nagged by his parents because, you know, he needs to find a new job now that he's lost his last one. And he's normally Mickey is, you know, before for his job as a bartender, he was usually pretty well put together. You know, he had his hair combed back. He was uh, wearing nice, you know, bartender-style clothes. He was, uh, you know, he he took care of himself. The past two weeks have not gone so great in that sense. Mickey, uh, due to his condition, if you will, uh, needs to shave daily, and he has not quite been keeping up with that. His hair is shaggy and unkempt, and he is sort of hunched over the kitchen table where his mother is still going, look, I know you have to, uh, uh, you know, get over to your loss, but you still need to find a new job after all. You know, we talked about you paying rent for the room now that you're a grown-up. So he's just like, the church always said fire was bad. I guess this is what they meant. And, And just eating cereal, very sadly. What are your parents, like, what do they actually look like, Mickey? Are they werewolves, or are they completely normal people, or something in between? I'm going to say they're they're completely normal people. So they're, they're completely unprepared for having a werewolf son. <laughs> um, they've, they've tried their best. They really do mean well. But his father has, uh, you know, ever since he manifested, uh, you know, what, what he, you know, his symptoms, I guess, his father has sort of been a little bit more distant. Uh, I'm going to say he's probably an office worker. Uh, he's He's been, like, you know, kind to the boy, but he's always, like, just finding more reasons to be outside of the house because he probably just doesn't know how to deal with it. And Aww. and his mother his mother is, is... She's trying her best, gosh darn her. She really is, but she has also absolutely no clue. But unlike the father who was just like, well, I guess I'm just not going to deal with this. She's really trying her best and, and, and always like trying to give him encouragement. Has she joined like a support group? Probably. <laughs> she strikes me as the t- sort of, of woman who's who's joined the, the support group for family members who have been touched by the flicker effect. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so she, she probably keeps trying to suggest, you know, things that might cheer him up. So she's like, do you, do you want to go play fetch? Is, uh, would that help? She means, well, they're doing their best, but they, they clearly don't get it. Have you reached out to any of your former co-workers? Have any of your former co-workers reached out to you? Mickey considers himself, you know, like just, just an employee. So I'm not sure he would have reached out to anybody, but he would have been very excited if he'd heard from, from Joe or Bump or Trixie or really anybody. You definitely have not heard from Trixie. Good to her word, she has not made contact with any of you. Surprising no one, yes. So, Joe, how about you? Would you have reached out to anybody? Reached out? No. But that doesn't mean that I'm not up to date on everything that's going on with him. To date, from the last two weeks, Joe Lister has been getting wildly drunk at the Real to Real down on Gower Street. He's not persona non grata because the person who runs the Real to Real is a generous person when it comes to the monster community, but he did publicly fire a otherwise not influential, but a nice vampire that was well-liked after the accident at the bar. It seemed pretty heartless. And that's exactly what Joe was looking for. Let me rephrase that. Someone who looks remarkably like Joe in the same kind of hat and coat has been seen going to the reel to reel every night at 11 p.m. And the camera cuts to somebody going to the reel to reel and then stumbling back out of the reel to reel. And then as they go by, they open up a mail slot in front of an office building and take out a small package and then tuck it into their jacket. And it's actually like, it's like this Hispanic dude who's like 22 and he's like broad shouldered and stuff. And he tucks it next to his SAG card and he says, a gig's a gig. And he keeps walking. Then it cuts to, you know, Mickey talking to his parents in front of a window at night. So the glow is illuminating all of them. They don't shut their blinds because they're good people. Why would you shut your blinds? Probably because a created person is keeping tabs on them as Joe is watching from a cab. And then cut to Joe slowly strolling by in a new kind of uh, suit jacket. So it doesn't look like him and a bowler hat going by the uh, Helamita boarding house for young ladies. And then finally, at a service of the Church of the Frankenchrist near the back pew, with his head bowed in uh, solemn prayer, but then it's the camera pans over his shoulder and he's got notes in the same notepad of everybody in the area and whether or not anyone looks suspicious. And he's also got a lit cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> And as you're sitting there, you look up as suddenly the organ starts up. And sitting at the stool, there is Bump. But instead of a normal white jacket and hat that he usually wears, he's wearing a garb of the Frankenchrist. And he's leaning back as the choir is clapping their hands. But then the choir goes silent. And Bump starts playing the organ. I will never flee. Never flee wherever he does roam. There isn't a monster or freak, a ghost or a goblin or creep that'll be turned away. Hit it, ladies! <laughs> I love him. I love him. I love him, and where he goes, I follow, I follow, I follow, and he will be my true love, a true love, true love, 
now and forever, forever, forever. <laughs> so it's a big dance number. He's really sister acted this whole thing where their music used to suck when he first came here. <laughs> They were off-key, but now he's playing new music. The pews are getting more monsters in them. They're moving their appendages, waving their tentacles in the air. He's really having a great time. And you have a fate point. <laughs> I, I guess. Uh, you don't know if Bump has drinking the Kool-Aid or if Bump is just being Bump and he's just playing this out to see how much he can get for free. Which is a fair amount. I mean, the Church of the Frankenchrist is, uh, especially Dr. Electra, is all about charity and giving and helping out their fellow creatures. Helping out the less fortunate, which is... <laughs> Bump, I'm, uh, I'm very needy. We, we can tell. How do you solve the problems like the mortals? da 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 <laughs> It is at the end of a long day of services, Bump, actually, that as you are making yourself at home in the kitchen, I feel like that's a pretty safe bet. You don't spend a lot of time up in the dormitory. You know, there's a couple of other men that are staying up there. There's a couple ladies across the hall. No one has stayed there as long as you. Most people are there for a couple of days and then they get back on their feet and, and can move elsewhere. But, you know, there's always other people there, and you've already gone through all of their stuff to get all of the snacks and the cigarettes, so you hang out down in the kitchen where there's usually always something fresh coming out of the oven. Oh, yeah. And he's just sitting there at the table mumbling to himself, All right, it's cornbread night for Bump. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Blaze comes in as Dr. Electra is standing over the, the oven, pulling out some fresh cornbread. He gives her a, a kiss on the cheek and he says, I'm sorry, darling, I can't stay for dinner tonight. There, there's been an incident. Bump is uncharacteristically silent. You see him leaning back in the shadows and then he just vanishes because this is gossip. The only gossip he's heard for the last two weeks is like, oh, I thought the Franken Christ was reborn on a Tuesday. No, you're ignorant. That's a Wednesday. Well, I think it's a Tuesday. That's the only gossip he's gotten. But this, this could be juicy. He can tell. So he just leans back and lets it play out. And Dr. Electra, of course, is, is very concerned. Where? Who? Is everyone all right? And Dr. Blaze says, We think so. Right now, it certainly isn't as bad as what happened back at that waning gibbous. But it seems that the uh, the Holy Rollers have, have found a new target. They're just wreaking havoc in this town. So I'm going to, you know, go out there, see if what I can do, and and uh, we're gonna we're gonna get this program up and running, and and show them that they can't they can't push us around. That that old Hollywood isn't going to to succumb to their bullying. And Doctor Electra says, of, of course, uh, be safe, dear. Here, and she quickly goes over to where she had a a pot roast, and with a giant meat cleaver, just like hacks off a chunk of it grabs a basically a loaf of bread like a home-baked loaf of bread which she cuts into the long ways and hands him a giant roast beef sandwich here take this let's rewind up a few seconds what the camera shows as she's making the sandwich is while she's hacking into this giant pot roast there is a very small shadow tendril that crawls towards it and as soon as she cuts down she cuts into the tendril but the tendril, it starts digging its way into the pot roast like a tremor and hides. He's going to track that. Uh, he, he wants to know where he's going. All right. Uh, so do I roll now? 
Not right now. I'm going to say that that just happens. We've established that the shadow tendrils is a thing that you can do. So it's definitely going to go along with Dr. Blaze to wherever it is he's off to. But to track it will be the role. Right, exactly. Bump lets him walk out. He waits a few minutes and then pops back into his seat and says, uh, Miss Electra, I'm sorry, Dr. Electra, I think I'm going to have to skip out of dinner, but I want to thank you. This has been a very pleasant evening. And he stands up and he wipes his mouth off on a napkin, which makes no sense because he wasn't eating a second ago. He then drops it down and he heads to the front door. Then he's going to find a payphone to make a call. Okay. Joe, your actor body double, is that mailbox drop-off, is that your only communication, or does he have a method of contacting you? Does, does he have a mandate to contact you at any time? If he thinks he's being followed or if anything weird happens, then he replaces the payoff with a note. Okay. And I go pick it up a little while later. All right. So you're checking it, like, daily or something like that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Joe took out a real cheap lease on a new office for his detective agency, and it's nothing more than a chair, a telephone, and a desk, because the important part was having a mailbox that wasn't attributed to Joe Lister. Got it. And Bump, who are you calling? I'm calling Joe. Joe gave Bump his number, so Bump is leaning against the payphone, waiting a little bit, nodding towards a few gremlin ladies as they walk by, and then he's muttering as the phone continues ringing. Come on, Joe, pick up. Pick up, pick up, you big dead head son of a mortal. Joe waits for two rings uh, at his apartment and slowly picks up. Hollywood Morgue, you stab him, we slab him. How can I help you? Hey, hey, there he is. Joe, mm. Joe, Joe, it's me. It's me. Uh, don't try to use your voice. You know, don't try to use your professional voice. It's total bull. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Oh, it's Bump. It's Bump, just in case you didn't realize, which you probably did, because you've heard this voice plenty of time. How's it going? Doing okay, Bump. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. You cannot believe what these religious zealots are willing to give you if you just play a couple good songs for them. You teach the choir how to sing, you find the shy one, you give her confidence, she begins singing like an angel, and they all just look at you and say that you're amazing, but it's really all her. It's sort of sexist if you think about it, but hey, it's 1955, what you gonna do? Anyways, I'm calling because I heard something and I figured, well, that you might want to hear about it. Camera pans over Joe's shoulder as he's listening to this and his notepad clearly has, you know, like all of the things that Bump has basically grifted the church for. The name of the singer and then it just underlined three times his room full of rubes. Yeah, no, that's that's good news, Bump. Anyway, I'm calling because I heard some news about the Holy Rollers, and you, you like to carry a grudge, and I'm guessing you're still sort of holding that torch pretty high, huh? Yeah. Yeah, well, I didn't get much, but the doctor is pissed off because the Holy Rollers just hit up something. I didn't hear where he was going, but I did drop one of my tendrils on him, so I figured if we can meet up, I could track that baby down for you, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's good work, Bump. What can I say? I'm a professional creeper. Sounds like I'm not the only one carrying a torch. Hey, 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 Those people took a lot from me. Those wigs? I mean, you don't find wigs like that. You steal them. And to steal them takes time. Yeah. The only thing is right now, if there are going to be holy rollers out there, I mean, I, you know I'm good in a fight, but the holy rollers and their whole light at the end of the tunnel headlight thing, it's, it really is not my cup of tea. So uh, I either need to hide behind you or you need to bring a friend to keep old Bumpo safe, you know what I mean? Yeah, of course, of course. Besides, uh, I want to see exactly how they're filling the empty space in the last couple of weeks. 
Yeah, whatever that means. Well, I'm just saying, with us out of business right now, it could have been a warning to other places showing who's in charge. But the thing is, I don't know. Something doesn't sit well with me on this. Like, we got rid of Montenegro and they just walk in. It's weird. They being what? Holy Rollers. Uh, Don't forget Big Pete. We already know Big Pete was working with them. This could be a a revenge sort of thing. Yeah, it's weird. That's all for later, I guess. Heard from Mickey recently? Who? Mickey. Oh, yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, of course. He's great. He's fantastic. I met him at the uh, party thing. He's a good guy. Great guy. I love him. No, Mickey, the guy we used to work with every night, the bartender. Oh, 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 the werewolf. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. I haven't heard from him. Uh, I think he's dead. (laughs) Joe changes pages in his notebook and it says, definitely not dead. (laughs) I mean, I haven't heard from him, but if you're thinking about calling him up, I'd say go for it. We need all the muscle we can get. Uh, Speaking of which, time is money. I mean, we only have a few hours before my shadow tendril uh, wanders off. I mean, it can only stay inside a pot roast sandwich for so long, am I right? Yeah. So how about I meet you at, uh, oh, oh, there's a laundromat that's usually open 24-7 on the corner of East 5th and Bower Street. Uh, Can you meet me in front of there? Uh, Let's say about uh, 30 minutes. Sounds good. I'll meet you at the, oh, oh, it's called the Wash and Mold. I'll see you there. It's run by a bunch of... uh, it's not zombies, but what are the zombies that are not actually dead, but they eat people? Ghouls. Ah, uh, ghouls, ghouls, right, right, ghouls. I'll see you at the wash and mold in 30. Sounds good to me. Oh, okay, uh, call whoever you need. I gotta go. Hey, uh, Bumpo. Uh, yeah? Keep two eyes over your shoulder, okay? Absolutely, don't worry. With the shadows, I'm uh, always watching my own back. And he hangs up the phone, and then he sinks his shadow tendril into the payphone, feels around to see if there's any loose change, and then mumbles... Cheap bastards. <laughs> Before just walking away. Hey, this is Angela from the Fandible Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you want to hear more, remember to go to Fandible.com. We have a long backlog of games, and at Fandible, we believe there is a game for every voice, so we know that you'll find something else enjoyable there. If you want even more of us, you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook as Fandible. And if you really want to support us, check us out on Patreon. We use the funds from there to buy new games, keep our equipment up to date, and go to cons. And you get great bonus material like early access to games or access to our private Discord where you can hang out with other Fandible fans. Either way, thanks so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you again next week.